Awesome. Well, the, the word this morning is called set your sights. And um, this is the third week in a row that I've preached, which is um, these days quite unusual. You know, we have guest speakers that come in. And, and uh, so I've uh, deliberately uh, had uh, two weeks ago, I did a, a word on live with purpose, which is all around mission and uh, making sure that you were clear on your mission. And, and we talked about that our mission as a church is those three words, live with purpose. That's our overall mission. Uh, the next week, last week, we talked about the importance of around values. And we talked about your secret weapon is having clearly defined and predetermined values in your life. Uh, and that is a secret weapon. You know, I, I joked about how some people thought I was probably going to talk about praying in tongues or you know, prophesying or praying to the nations. But uh, I said, you know, it's important for us to predetermine and to set our values uh, as secret weapon in our life so that we can be people who are aligned to our values and how powerful that is. And then today I'm talking about set your sights. So I'm going to be talking about vision. And then after this message today, um, our admin team are going to work with um, some people who put together the, the welcome canvas. The canvas, when you walk into the front of the building, it says, Welcome to Forever House. We're going to do some similar canvases that are going to go in the cafe where we want clearly our mission, uh, live with purpose, and our, our values as a church and our vision as a church out there hanging like a piece of art so we can all constantly fixate our eyes on that when we're fellowshipping out there so that we're all on the same page and we're aligned and we know where we're going because who believes that that's a powerful thing? When a, a team of people, a group of people, a company of people are clear on where God's taking them, that's where unity, the word says, commands a blessing. Who believes that? Good. So today, uh, the message is on set your sights. I will talk a little bit about our vision um, but I'm mainly going to talk about the importance of looking at right now in terms of being a visionary or vision itself, setting sights. The question I want to start with is in this season or in multiple seasons in your life, have you been a visionary or have you been a vision vandal? Everyone say visionary. So someone who actually aligns with the principles of having vision versus a vision vandal. Everyone say vision vandal. And a vision vandal is someone who kind of doesn't quite, you know, catch the power of, of these principles in the Word of God around making sure not only do you have a vision, but protecting that vision and running with the vision. So I wanted to uh, start with some scripture, and I want to refer to uh, Numbers chapter 13. And for some reason in my notes here, that's uh, poor form, I usually do that, but it's not typed out, so I'll quickly get it here in front of me. Numbers Chapter 13, verses 20, sorry, 13, verse 26 through to 33. I'll say that again. Numbers chapter 13, verses 26 to 33. And I want to read this particular part of scripture, and then we're going to break it down. Everyone pray for my iPhone right now to quickly load it. Thank you, Jesus, for technology. It was in my notes, and then it's not there. Okay, here we go. Numbers chapter 13, verses 26 to 33. It talks about the report on the exploration. So, uh, people of God, we've, we actually talk about this part of Scripture quite often in our church because, I don't know, I just love it. It really speaks to me. But I want to dive deeper into it today, where men of God are sent into a particular territory to send a report back. And there's the report on the exploration. And this is what this part of Scripture, verses 26 to 33, is the report on the exploration. So verse 26, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. Verse 28, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Verse 29, the Am Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Verse 30, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger 
than we are. Verse 32, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. So they were giving a bad report. They were counteracting the positive we can do it report with a bad negative doubting report. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. Verse 33, we saw that uh, the Nephilim, there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Everyone say visionary versus vision vandal. So the passage in a nutshell, let's quickly now summarize it. Numbers 13 verses 1 to 16, basically it's talking about choosing... Oh, there's a choosing of one member of each of the 12 tribes to go and spy out the promised land. So there's a choosing of people to go into this land and report. From Numbers 17 to 20, chapter 13, verses 17 to 20, there's an actual commissioning of the 12. And then verses 21 to 25, there's 40 days of spying. And then verses 26 to 33, there's the debriefing, a report as to what they saw. So the conversation might have gone something like this if it was in today's world. Moses says... Tell us what you saw. Joshua says, whoa, dude, I'm stoked. That land is exactly as God said it would be, flowing with milk and honey. There are obstacles, but we can do it. And then one of the other ten, but what about the walls? What, what about the giants? What, what about the elements? Forget about it. Caleb God said that the land would be ours, and I believe him. Let us go and seize it with his blessings. That's kind of how the conversation would have gone if we're talking about today's language, right? Who here, as I was reading that today version, can kind of imagine sometimes in your life, whether it's at your workplace, at home, even maybe conversations in your head, where there's this difference between the attitude of the visionary versus the vision vandal? Who here has ever experienced those types of conversations before? Come on now, lift your hand if you've experienced. You're saying, hey, Brad, that's relevant. I get this. I guess where we're going with this. Good. All right. And then Numbers 14, 1, 4. And if it was in today's language, whoa, is me. We're going to die. We should have stayed in Egypt. So actually when we go into chapter 14 and we go into another chapter which we didn't read, I just want to show you today's language around how when they actually started to uh, embark in taking the land, this is the, 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 the type of the difference between someone who's, who is visionary in reaction to not only setting the vision but then going for it versus a vision vandal. So Numbers 14, 1 to 4, again in today's language, whoa, is me, we're going to die, we should have stayed in Egypt. Numbers 14, 5 to 9, wait, we can do this because God said we could. Then Numbers 10, 12, God is ready to destroy his people. Then 13 and 19, Moses pleads for God's mercy for his people. Then 20 to 35, God spares the lives of the people, but vows to keep their generation from possessing the promised land. Verses 36 to 38, God removes the obstacles, the 10 who said forget about it. And 39 to the end, too little too late, God says forget about it. Everyone says seesaw. So not only when they're actually getting an idea of should we or shouldn't we? And then they, they, God sends the people into the report and it comes back and the report is a seesaw. Some people are visionary. Yes, it's difficult, but we can with God. Nothing is impossible. Some of the people report back in their vision vandals. Oh, did you see the walls though? The giants, this is not going to do. We should not do this. So there's two parts to this. It's actually setting your sights and getting clarity for the future. And the way that you do that, you can either be visionary, where it may seem difficult, not always seems like it's possible in your own strength, but you know, but with God, I'm going to believe that I can do this. Or you look at setting a vision with doubt, with fear, with hesitation, and then you start to dumb down and think, no, I'm not going to do that because it's just too hard. So the way that our attitude can impact vision actually is when we set vision. But then also, when we start to set type, some type of vision, let's say 
that uh, you're in a, in a team at work and you kind of didn't really think that you liked the vision, but because you're following a particular team leader, you have to kind of do that anyway. Some of the Israelites didn't really like the idea of, of going into the promised land. They thought it would be too difficult, but they had to follow anyway. And so as the leaders led them in, which was at the time being led by Moses, there was also, as there was a walking out of the vision, there was also a seesaw effect. So when there was a setting of the vision, the, the message is called set your sights, there was a seesaw. Some people were visionaries, some people were vision vandals. And then when there was a walking out of the vision, there was a seesaw effect. Some people were still visionary saying, hey, we can do this. We can still get, get in there even though there's obstacles. And there are other people going, oh, this is getting too difficult. And the seesaw effect not only included the people, but it actually started to include God. Because when you have a look here, in chapter 14, woe is me, we're going to die, we should have stayed in Egypt. Complain, 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 murmur, 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 doubt, doubt, doubt. Then that gets counteracted by verses 5 to 9. Wait, we can do this because God said we could. Then it gets counteracted again. God is ready to destroy his people. Then it gets counteracted again. Moses pleads for God's mercy for his people which shows faith. Then God spares the lives of the people, but then vows to keep their generation from possessing the promised land. Then God removes the obstacles, the ten who said forget about it. He got rid of the people who were the big doubters. But then it was too little too late, and God says forget about it. This generation is not going to enter in. Everyone say seesaw. So what am I trying to highlight here? It actually really is quite critical, church, around what type of attitude you put towards not only setting vision, but walking out vision. See, in this church, we're called to raise up visionaries. We're called to have a vision and to walk forward and believe. But in a company of people, there will always be vision vandals. My encouragement to you is, don't be that person. Don't be a vision vandal for your own personal vision. Don't be a vision vandal for your church vision. Don't be a vision vandal for your work vision. Don't be a vision vandal in different areas of your life because not only will that hold you back, but you actually can hold other people back with your attitude. Are you a visionary or a vision vandal? Let's look at, look at this now a little bit more practically. Let's have a look at our perspectives. This is the, the first point. We're going to look at our perspectives. Then we're going to look at our reactions as the second point. And then we're going to look at our rewards. Everyone say perspectives. Everyone say reactions. And everyone say rewards. They're the three keys we're going to look at now. Let's start with our perspectives. So Joshua and Caleb, two of the ten, were visionaries. They had pioneering spirits, church. Walls. No problem. Giants, no problem. Remember David and Goliath? They would have probably told themselves, come on, we can do this. Possible, no problem. Why? Because they saw a God-sized task through God's eyes. They believed that what God promised he would do, he would do. They believed that God is bigger than any obstacles that stood between them and the land he had promised. God doesn't call us to fail or to be defeated. That was the attitude that they had, visionaries. Philippians 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That was one of the key scriptures we referred to last week when we talked about one of our core values here is strength. Now, let's compare the perspective of the visionaries, Joshua and Caleb, to the perspective now of the vision vandals, the other ten of the twelve. Walls? insurmountable. Giants, yeah, too big, too strong, too ugly. Possible, oh, forget about it. Why should we? They saw a God-sized task through their own eyes, underline the word own. They couldn't see themselves having the ability to accomplish what God called them to do. They saw that they were not capable of scaling the walls, bringing down the giants and claiming the land. They were right. They couldn't, at least not without God. With God, however, they could have definitely have done it. And so vision vandals actually live in a land of self-pity. 
and it actually becomes all about them. And that's why, because it's all about them, they don't invite the God factor into the equation and they get locked down in the lack of possibilities. And it all starts with their headspace, their heart, and their speech. Who here wants to be a visionary? Who is a visionary? Don't admit if you're a vision vandal. We'll have our ministry team deliver you at the end. So how do we relate this to you and I? How do we view the walls in our lives? How do we view them? What's our perspective? How do we size up the giants that we battle? Do we believe God's promises? A gentleman by the name of Tony Evans said this, God can do more with less who are dependent on him than he can with more who are dependent on themselves. Vision vandals say it can't be done because they haven't understood the importance of inviting the God factor into the equation. They can say all the, the faith statements they want, but when it, when it comes to it, usually their speech, there's cues and clues all the way in how they perceive things and how they respond that says they're vision vandals. Now, I want to, t- want to talk about our church vision at Forever House. And the, the five key words I'm going to refer to is about the house that God has designed us to be. When I say house... I'm not talking about the wall, so to speak. I'm talking about the people, the house, a gathering, a community, a fellowship, a family, the house that he's raising up. The cool thing about vision is not everything that I'm about to say is necessarily 100% there yet, but we're setting our sights with a visionary, pioneering attitude and how we perceive the vision. So again, as I go through this, take a check in your heart of, has there been any vision vandalism maybe in your heart towards your local church's vision? If it has, it's your responsibility, not mine, not Pastor Sarah's. It's actually your responsibility to make that adjustment where it's required. Who believes that? So vision. First of all, the first word, Jess, have we got these? Awesome. Thanks, Jess. Let's first of all just give Jess appreciation. She's doing the work of two people back there today. Doing a great job, Jess. Thank you. First part of a vision is reach. We are called, we are designed to be a lighthouse to reach. And again, like I did last week when I talked about our values, I'm going to take just one scripture. There's many scriptures that could help to solidify this and help us to get the revelation of this and help us to have a visionary attitude of yes. But let's talk about Matthew 28, 18 to 20. We are a lighthouse. We are called to reach. Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're called to reach. We are a house that is a reaching house. Everyone say amen to that. Second thing is love. This is part of our vision. Reach, love. We reach people, then we start to love them. We are called and designed to be an encouraging and a generous house. 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The third part of our vision is grow. We're called to be a teaching and an equipping house so people grow. Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. What I love about this scripture is it's about balance, the fivefold ministry, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, to establish and to raise up and to teach and equip people to do the work of the ministry. The next one is build. What we mean by build is that we're called to be and designed to be a prophetic house. You may think, well, how does the prophetic relate to building? Oh, can I tell you, it's very, very important because when you're a prophetic house, you tap into the the revelation of God, always mining fresh revelation out of the Logos word or the Rima word. 
making sure fresh revelation is filling the atmosphere, is filling people's spirits, is filling people's hearts about what God's doing next. And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, it highlights how revelation is a key to building. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, and if you look at the interpretation, rock of revelation, as in because he heard from God about who Christ was and therefore who he was in Christ, that was that revelation gift. It was the ability to hear from heaven, that prophetic anointing on Peter, and Jesus proclaimed, and on this rock, on that ability to hear from God, to get fresh revelation from heaven, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Who believes that? And then the last key to our vision is establish. We are called to be a leadership-focused house, a pioneering house, where we know long-term we want to raise up and we want to send out. Job 22:28. You will also decree a thing and it will be established for you, so light will shine on your ways. Established for you. When we decree things, when we set the vision and we continue to persist. So in summary, our church vision to set our sights is we are a house. God is raising up a house. God is building a house designed to reach, to love, to grow, to build and to establish. And we're going to have those five words hanging out there for everyone to keep focusing on. We're going to have our five values that we talked about last week out there for everyone to focus on. We're going to have our mission statement, live with purpose, out there for everyone to be able to focus on. Because more and more what I'm realizing, the older I get, is that when you focus, fruitfulness comes. The opposite to focus is distraction or double-mindedness, also what we call more than one vision. So it's about making sure that we're very clear on who we are. Sometimes you can get such a fresh blessing where not only do you find who you are and decide what you're called to do, but on the other side of the coin, you also determine who you're not and what you're not called to do. Who knows that that could be a blessing? Otherwise, if we're living in this dense of, oh, that sounds good and that sounds nice and they're doing this and they're doing that and oh, we can do this and we could do this and... Again, the seesaw. Maybe even you've had a seesaw effect of being a visionary sometimes and then becoming a vision vandal. Maybe even in your own life in different seasons, you've, you've found obstacles or hindrances because some weeks and days you're a visionary and you're pumped and you're ready to go and then there's a, there's a, a, a pattern of inconsistency and then now you're a vision vandal in your own headspace. That's why I, f I think the Lord is always encouraging us to reinvestigate, reevaluate, and re-look at the speech that's coming out of our mouth and the thoughts that are going through a headspace. So I looked at perspective. Everyone say perspective. Now let's, look, let's talk about our reactions. So we're going to talk about visionaries. How do they react? Well, when they reported to Moses and the people, they did it with enthusiasm. God was right, they said. It does flow with milk and honey. I actually look for enthusiasm as a cue or a clue for me as a leader to getting a feeling of where someone's at. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be the most enthusiastic person, right? For example, my little girl Zara, she oozes enthusiasm. And I'm like, yes, Jesus. <laughs> She's got a bit of daddy in her. Now, Sarah's very enthusiastic as well, but what I love about Sarah, thank goodness I'm married to her, is that she also grounds me. Everyone say amen. amen. She's my reality check. Everyone say hallelujah. <laughs> so Sarah's enthusiastic, so don't get me wrong. Sometimes people are just all enthusiasm and no wisdom. But can I say this? When it comes to just where you're at, think about where you're at in your work, right? Where's your level of enthusiasm? And again, if it's low, don't spend the majority of your thought time blaming all the other people of why it's low. Actually, first take responsibility. Think, well, what is it that I could do or change in my world or my thinking to be more enthusiastic where God has me positioned right now in the marketplace? 
the number one reason why you will not be able to take responsibility for what you can do to change your attitude and your reaction is if you're too busy focusing on all the other people that you would like them to change. Where's your enthusiasm like at work? Are you a visionary vandal at work? Do you talk negatively about where the, the, where the team's going all the time? Where's your, where's, where's your, your attitude at, in terms of your own personal family's vision? Are you a vision vandal in your home? Or are you a visionary in your home? Where's your level of enthusiasm? Being enthusiastic. This was a sign from these two guys. When they reported to Moses their reaction, what was the style of their action, the flavor of their re reaction, how did they react? They reported to Moses and, and the people. They reported the possibilities. They first talked about the possibilities, the opportunities, what we can do, what can happen, what we can see happening. I had someone the other day, I walk into church, God bless them. I've already had a chat to them about it, encouraging them to maybe just adjust a little bit. Because I, I hadn't seen him for a couple of weeks, and the first thing the person says was three things. As soon as I walked in, they grabbed me three things that were frustrating them about, you know, the building. And I said, oh, whoa, hang on a second. So before we go there, let's just park that for one second. Let's just take a step back. I want you to tell me five things that you've noticed that have happened positively in the last couple of weeks. Tell me five things. And they stopped and went, oh, well, I've noticed this. Good, that's awesome. And, and why, will that, why, why is that going to be good for our church? Oh, because of blah, blah, blah. That's awesome, great. What's another thing? Oh, well, I've noticed that this, is, this has changed. Okay, why is that going to be a better for Blah, blah, blah. Good. We got to the, to the five. And then I said, now tell me the three things. And this was the person's reaction. Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> and I said, no, I do. I really want to hear. And they mentioned blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, I'm going to take that on board. That's good feedback. Thank you. I said this, but can you see how much better it is that I encourage you to first focus and actually adjust and massage your wiring to first highlight what were the things that had happened, that had changed, that were positive. You know what saddens me? Is sometimes this is received, this basic teaching of having the spirit of our God is, is taught and received more at personal development programs than it is received by Christians. See, we can get all praise happy about our God, but then we can walk into church and the first thing we want to talk about is what we don't like or what we don't agree with. It's important to look at how we're wired, how we're tracking. Because I can tell you, church life is so much more enjoyable when we just have a bit of enthusiasm. Let me say it again. Church life is so much more enjoyable if you just sow a bit of enthusiasm. Because there'll always be something that you can highlight that you don't like. But what I notice is this. This is not just about church. This is about life. What I notice is, is when you fall into the trap of being a vision vandal, it doesn't just manifest in one area. It will manifest in most areas of your life. If you're always critical in one thing, you're critical of another sphere of your life, 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 another sphere of your life. And if you're there, give yourself permission that it's time to change. It's time to make changes in terms of perception and reactions. So they reported to Moses and they were people of possibility. We can do this, no sweat. They reported to Moses and the people a reminder of the promise of God and his faithfulness to the people. So they, they reported back with enthusiasm. It does flow with milk and honey. I can see the positives. I can see the opportunities. I can see the good things. And I'm going to highlight them with enthusiasm. And I can see the opportunities. We can do this. 
And also they reported to Moses and the people, and they specifically linked that reaction to the promises of God. So not only was it just positive and enthusiastic, but it had faith behind it. They linked it to the promises of God. Yes, you know what? God has promised us, and He is faithful to His people. And that right there is a DNA reaction that we have to be injecting into different areas of our lives. Can I tell you why? Because not only does it set our science on the possibilities, but it helps us to walk out the vision. Vision vandals, how do they react? They reported to Moses and the people with discouragement. Now, don't get me wrong. If you, you know, when people are discouraged, they're allowed to give themselves permissions to voice it at times. But again, it's about what we lead with. I remember uh, in my, the church that I was raised in for the first 11 years of my Christian walk, uh, first two years, like, Jesus, yeah, all these people coming in the house of God, woohoo! It was just awesome. And then I got to this end of the two-year period, and I had a... And you should have seen me. Like, everyone knew about it, probably because I wanted them to all know about it. Because they were like, what's going on with Brad? See, I had the nickname God Boy. <laughs> My flatmates all called me God Boy. Cool thing is they all became Christian. <laughs> the first two years, it was like, on fire, enthusiastic, God, Jesus, whoa, church, whoa, yeah, whoa. Oh, love it, love it, oh. And then I hit this, because uh, God had to <laughs> deal with some things in my world. Because I would talk it up and there was a lack of fruit in certain areas. So he's like, okay, let's have a chat. So as God starts to discipline me, it's like, oh, this isn't very fun. I don't like this. Mm, I, have to, I have to deal with stuff. Oh, I have to have him pointing his finger and saying, hey, you, know, you need to sort this out because you, your mouth's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But your life's like, rah, rah, rah. so it's like, come on. And so, walking to church in this season. Hi. Right, someone say, so how was your week? <laughs> Slightly exaggerating. <laughs> but, in worship. Listening to the message. Amen. <sighs> I hear the announcements. Oh, whatever. <sighs> I hear the offering message. Oh my gosh, this is so going too long. And anyway, <laughs> I got called out to this altar call once. And uh, it was one of the young leaders. And I loved it. Not right at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but he said this. He said, for the last season, you've been such a joy to everyone, but I hear the Lord saying this. The expression of your faith should no longer be just limited to your personality. That you're naturally enthusiastic. The Lord's brought you to a crossroads to test your ability to break through and to actually have joy in the Lord even though he's disciplining you right now. And he's making and molding you to be a man of perseverance, to be a man of persistence, to be a visionary. And then the word went on and said, if you choose to pull your chin up, and start speaking faith and acknowledging God in your situation, then the Lord will respond and will turn things around for you. So the word basically came to this final piece over me saying, it's now time for you to declare a good report of your current situation. In faith, talk about what God positively is doing in your life through some of the obstacles and the hardships. Start to declare the breakthrough that's going to come from the changes that he's forcing you to make right now. 
And then the guy said, now lift your hands. And he just kept prophesying, you're a man of vision. Now position yourself as a man of vision and look up and look forward and walk. And I walked away from that prophetic word changed because it was a crossing over for me, a, a, a point where my Christianity was not dictated by my feelings, but my Christianity was now defined by being principle-led, being a man of faith even though I didn't feel like it. Now, I'm not perfect in this. Just the other day, I think I sighed three times within a minute. Sarah's like, huh, what's wrong? Like, I don't usually sigh. And it was just something I was processing, and you know, so we, we talked about it. It's what is wonderful about my wife. She picks up on, on things like that, and we talk about things, and invite God into it, and move forward. But how we react, how we respond. Vision vandals, they reported to Moses and the people with discouragement. They reported to Moses and the people about the impossibilities. The walls, the people, the elements. And then they made this statement, forget about it. It's not going to happen. They reported to Moses and the people a reminder of how much better it was back in Egypt. So where the visionaries declared and linked their positivity and their enthusiasm about the possibility to the promises of God, the vision vandals linked their negativity and all the things that looked bad or, or weren't great and not only to forget about it, but then they put the exclamation mark on that by referring how good it was back in the past. How it used to be. So how does this relate to you and I? Is our response to a vision or idea optimistic or pessimistic? Do we seek to encourage people to pursue their God-given vision or do we seek to squelch their enthusiasm? And do we do that to ourselves? Is our response filled with why the vision or idea is possible or is impossible? In other words, do we see it through God's eyes or our own? Do we prefer to stay in the comfort zone of tradition or move in the will of God? Do we enjoy going with the flow or swimming, or swimming upstream? That's how we can relate this to you and I. And so this last bit, you know, you and I, is about where am I at? And you know what? The reality is, it's not usually you're either in the visionary or you're in the vision vandal category. It's more of a scale. No one here is perfect. Sometimes I've seen my scale sliding down to the vision vandal way. But it's about, again, honestly saying, you know, let's listen to this word. Let's listen to what the Holy Spirit is teaching us through this word today. Let's appropriate it to you. Let's, let's allow our minds and hearts to open to it again and go, you know, where am I at on this scale? And maybe you're at in different parts of the scale depending on different spheres of your life. Where is your scale from visionary to vision vandal in, in relation to how you relate to the, your local church vision? Where, is you, where are you at in your scale when it comes to your home vision or your personal life vision, your family? Where are you at in your workplace, marketplace vision? Because it can be in different areas of the scale. But the important thing is this. You and I are called to be people of victory. You and I are called to be people who are visionary people. Do we have obstacles and challenges? Yes. But how we react to them, how we respond to them. And if we're in a zone where we're not reacting or responding in a healthy way, then it's your, your responsibility, my responsibility. The res word responsibility is the ability to respond. We have to identify and evaluate where we're at. And now it's up to us to respond using God's word, using his power to say, God, I need you to help me to, to scale it up this way because I'm called to be a person of vision. Because if I stay in the vision, vision vandal space, it can deter, it can, it can halt. I mean, it, it kept the people of Israel in wilderness for 40 years. You know, again, with my dad passing in the first week of August, I've been reflecting the horrible tragedy of what happened in Dreamworld, where people, the absolute freak of nature, whatever happened, I don't completely understand wholly what, what took place, but horrible, that life is so precious. None of us here want to be in our final moment of our life 
whatever that's going to look like, living in regret. And I think most people, if, if, if they stay in that scale of visioned vandal for most of the time in their life, even after they accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, which is the Spirit of God that rose Jesus from the dead, the victorious Spirit of God that gives you eternal life, living on the inside of you, there's no excuse, church, to stay cemented in a vision vandal mindset. You may be there for a moment because of circumstances and because you're human and you give yourself grace through God. He gives you grace where you, you fall into a bit of a trap. But come on, God's grace is also given to you to respond. And it's, 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 the, it's, it's the moment this morning as you're hearing this word to allow the Holy Spirit to, to shake you, to, to, to challenge you, to think, you know what? Uh, my life is more important with God than to stay in this place. If, if I stay in this place for too long, I'm going to live in regret. So we've talked about perspectives. We've talked about reactions compared to the visionary versus the vision vandal. Now I want to finish with rewards. Rewards. Joshua and Caleb would be rewarded for their faithfulness by possessing the promised land. And Moses would have as well, but he messed up a bit later on. So that held him back. The rest of the people would miss out due to their lack of faith. How about you and I? See, there is a reward for being a visionary. And I don't mean you have to be the biggest leader of the biggest thing in the biggest world. Just start with your own private world. See, when you, the, the Bible says, I mean, how can you take a city if you can't take your own life? So it's like, Get your private world in order. Keep evaluating your private world, even if you're having success in your public world, because if you don't get your private world you know, right, your public world success will, will not be sustained if this starts to get shaky. But if, if you're not there yet, get some private world focus happening. We talked about values last week as an important thing to cement and that foundation of your private world. But get clarity around the vision of your life. And can I say this to you? If you're hungry enough... I always say to people, there's no excuse anymore. I mean, you could Google, how do I get a vision for my life? And come up with 99 articles on the seven steps of how to actually get some type of vision written down. I mean, there's just no excuse anymore. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't know how to get a vision. Well, it's like, you know what? I don't think it's that you don't know how. I think you don't have enough desire. There's not enough hunger there. That's what you have to work on. So how about you and I? I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Jace to come. How about you and I? Will God reward us for our faithfulness or lack of? Do you see God's will as possible for your life? A couple of questions as we reflect and as we translate this to our own private world. How do you respond to your church's vision with support with criticism or maybe in the middle <coughs> apathy Luke chapter 16 verse 12 says this and if you are not faithful with other people's things why should you be trusted with things of your own? Now let's just look at that scripture. The word faithful means full of faith. And if you are not full of faith with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Again, this is not a brag statement, but I believe that the reason why God has given us the amazing humbling opportunity for us to lead our own local church is because the first 11 years of my walk 
And I've, most, I mean, Sarah was raised as a PK, so she met Jesus a lot earlier than I did. But we invested 11 years and we weren't perfect, but we were faithful with another man's vision. We were faithful. You cannot escape this principle. Doesn't matter how well you tried to hide, you cannot escape it. It doesn't just relate to church life, it relates to everything. How do you respond to your own seasonal vision right now? What you're believing for God in your season right now, your goals, your dreams? Do you respond with faith? Or doubt. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And what are you sowing in this season towards what you're believing for? By faith, what are you doing? What are you applying? Are you just sitting back going, ah? Oh, it's all a bit hard. That's a vision vandal. Come on now. God has enabled us with Him that nothing is impossible. It starts with our response. Galatians 6 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows. Habakkuk 2 2. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision. Write it. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. That's why we're going to make it so obvious. We're going to pull it up, not on tablets, but on canvases, and we're going to make it so clear. And we're simplifying it. Five value words, five vision words, one statement of mission, live with purpose. So we can get it in our hearts and our minds. We're just putting biblical principle out there on the walls because Habakkuk 2.2 says that the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets or on canvases, so he may run who reads it. Matthew 25, 23, his master replied, Well done. You are a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come and celebrate with me. get everyone just to say one word just repeat after me grace in fact we're going to do this I want you to just repeat after I'm going to say it three times there's a reason for my method I'm going to say it three times and I'm going to get you as a congregation to say it three times grace 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 what am I saying something that I've learned is that when the Lord challenges us with a word we first receive it through the filter of grace see God is motivated to see your life fruitful he leads with that motivation so his agenda behind releasing a word like today in an atmosphere of faith his agenda, God's agenda, the Holy Spirit's agenda is for you to be fruitful. So what he wants from this type of word is he wants you to respond through the filter of grace to know that there's always a second chance and to make adjustments so that you get back on track or make whatever adjustment you need to so that you can be fruitful. The heartbeat of our Father is to release words like this so that we make adjustments and changes so we get back on track so we can be fruitful and therefore be rewarded. The motivation of our God is not to release words like this to make us think, oh, well, I'm not quite aligned with where I should be, so I might as well give up. That's not his motivation. You know what's ironic? This is the irony. Sometimes when a vision vandal has been a vision vandal for a long time, they'll allow a message like this to be the excuse as to why they won't even make a change. 
because their response to a message like this will be, oh well, if I haven't been faithful to the little, I suppose it's too late. Life sucks and it's just always going to suck. So what's the point? Do you see what I'm saying? The irony is that the vision vandal would see the motivation of God in the wrong way of why he would want to bring a message like this. Let me finish this morning with some prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. And I thank you, Lord, for this mighty church, Forever House. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, you're moving through this place. And I thank you, Lord, that you love us unconditionally. And because of that, you love us so much that you can't just sit there and allow us to stay the same, particularly if we're in a place where we we need to make adjustments to be fruitful. Lord, I thank you, God, that you treasure and value fruitfulness. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you treasure to see your people be victorious, to be visionary people, pioneering, moving forward in their own life and in all the spheres of their life, God. So, Father, we release in this atmosphere, Lord, through your anointing, we release, Lord, a new sense of faith that the principles of vision and the principles of setting our sights forward and the principles of being a visionary and responding to vision, responding to goals, responding to dreams, responding to a team focus is to be one with enthusiasm, excitement, expectation, possibility, faith. Father, I thank you, Lord, for a new lease of reacting to the Word of God, to the supernatural things of God, to the reality of God, to the faith of God. Lord, I pray for a re-engineering, Lord, a recalibration, Lord, whatever changes have to be made. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you'd start to move and you'd start to, to turn over the cogwheels of life. Father, I thank you, Lord, for a changing of mindsets, Lord, a changing of the guard of our heart, Lord, a changing, Lord, wherever it has to change. Lord, move in people's lives. Move, God. Touch people's hearts today, Lord. Encourage people, God. They will be rewarded. So, Lord, we reach out to you. Just lift your hands in this place. Just stay seated, but just reach out to the Lord. Beautiful God, help us to be visionaries. Help us to be people who are called to create with our mouth and not to criticize. Help us, Lord. Fine-tuned, where we need to be fine-tuned. Lord, we invite you into our life. We thank you, Lord, that we just surrender our lives afresh to you this morning. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Let's give God some appreciation here.